Bienvenidos extraños para hablar del documentario, enseñar dónde mirar los documentarios y después juntarnos y hablar acerca de ellos. Buenos días, ladies and gentlemen. Bienvenidos to another episode of Talkumentary. Thank you to all of our listeners and all of our friends for taking your weekly bus trip all the way across the border and joining us for this episode. I know with all of your ailing, aging bodies and your tired ears, it's becoming more and more difficult to make the trip to our humble little den. But hopefully you find plenty of reason to, to come back because, you know, we just like hanging out with you guys. Um, so this week is actually the beginning of Hispanic Heritage Month. It officially starts tomorrow, which is September 15th, and runs until October 15th. This is a time to celebrate the colorful cultures, rich histories, and diversity in the American Latino community. So to join me in our little fiesta today, um, we have none other than King James himself. What's Yo. up, James? What's up, what's up, what's up? How you doing, my friend? All right, all right. Ready. Good. And some very special guests and friend of ours. Uh, these two ladies work with James and I at the museum that we work at. Uh, Ruth and her niece, Valeska. Uh, Rogel. Ro Rogel. Rogel. I always call them Ruth and Valeska. I barely, rarely say their last name. I had to text Ruth and go, this is going to sound weird, but what's your last name? So Rogel. Hi, Ruth. Hi. Thank you for inviting us. <laughs> of course. Hi, Valeska. Hi. Thank you guys for being with us today to talk about this uh, documentary. Um, like I said, uh, these ladies work with us at the museum. Bienvenidos, amigas. Did I say Gracias, that? Yeah. Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. Bienvenidos a todos Be por escuchar este nuevo episodio. For, uh, thank you for inviting us to this episode. Is that what you said? No. no. A, los, a los extraños los invito. Bienvenidos los invité para escuchar este. To listen to the new episode. Okay. Listen to a new episode. Yes, I say in Spanish. Yep. I love it. All right. What did we watch this week? This week, we took 71 minutes to be quiet and to reflect on a very poignant and emotional love story. We watched the meditative and poetic documentary called What We Leave Behind. Abuelito, ¿por qué se queda aquí solo uno o dos días? Pues es que me gustaría verlo más. No, Alto. No, pues hay tiempo. Abuelito fue un misterio para mí cuando era una niña. No sabía cómo hablar con él. ¿Qué le gustó de mi abuelita? Pues que le hablé y me dije que sí. La primera que vino mi mamá, entonces pasaba en ahí el puente por favor, así. Y, y venía por muy seguido. Y ahorita ya hablaba. ¿Cómo le hago? Hay mucha gente que la acaba la vida y ni quien lo vaya. Pero lo visitan mucho y lo queremos mucho. ¿Quién sabe el último? Los abuelitos ya, ya está más decaído. Hay días que anda bien y días que pues ya tiro se decae mucho. ¿Tiene miedo? No, no. Yo sé que tiene que llegar a mí. 
After a lifetime of bus rides to the United States to visit his children, Julian Moreno quietly starts building a house on an empty lot next to his home in rural Mexico. His granddaughter, Eliana Sosa, films his work and creates a personal and poetic love letter to him and his homeland through this beautiful film. This was directed by Ileana Sosa, written by Ileana Sosa and Isidore Bethel, produced by Ileana Sosa, Isidore Bethel, Katie Drake Bettner, and Fariha Zaman. This film was an array, Border Child, Marcona Media Production, in association with Just Films Ford Foundation. Distributed by and streamed on Netflix, What We Leave Behind has... 100% tomato meter on Rotten Tomatoes oh, wow. uh, with nine reviews and a 94% audience score with fewer than 50 ratings. I could not find a negative review. Normally, the last couple episodes, I try to find a good review and a negative review to to tell people about, but there really wasn't anything below like eight or nine stars for this one. But here's a couple good ones that I found. Um, one of the nine out of 10 star reviews from Sylvia Valdez says, this movie was so simple. However, it captured something I can relate to when going to Mexico with my abuelos. To me, it captured something in their faces without them saying much. Her tío George's expression, the sadness on his face had me crying. I wondered why he is so sad. What is he thinking? And then another review uh, from the New York Times by Lisa Kennedy says, What we leave behind insists upon the power of stillness and the poignancy in staying and leaving. So anyway, we're going to have all that credit information in the show notes. Let's get into this. A quick warning before we get into this. Uh, if you have not seen it and you want to see it, go check it out. Uh, this is your spoiler alert. Go watch it. Come back and we will continue the, the conversation. Right on. Is anyone still listening? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> Let's talk about why we chose to watch What We Leave Behind. So I chose this one specifically to celebrate the start of Hispanic Heritage Month, uh, which starts in a couple days from when this recording comes out. And it just seemed like the perfect film from what I could see to sort of highlight some of the important aspects of Hispanic culture and the culture of immigrants around the country, around the world. It really showed the value of hard work, the importance of family, and it was a very quiet and accepting nature of this man and his family. You do what you got to do and you don't complain attitude. And that's a lot of the Hispanic people that I've worked with. That's that's very ingrained. And, and Ruth Valeska, you guys tell me if I'm wrong here, but that's very ingrained into that culture. Family is everything. And yes. hard, and you don't go anywhere without hard work. Do you agree? Is that kind of? Yes, I agree with that. Yeah. Do you see that in your own family? Yes, I say, and that uh, what it will leave behind mm -hmm. is mostly uh, about my personal life. Mm. I came in this country when I was twenty three years, mm -hmm. and like when I'm here, I miss my country. There, when I there, I was there. I'm miss this life over here right wow so. yep and and you guys you live with 
at least part of the time with with some of your family where you know and that's correct me if i'm wrong but that's kind of a a big part of your culture is making sure that your family is not left you know there's a lot of a lot of american you know born and raised it's sort of like, and we'll get into this a little bit maybe as we continue into the episode but you you sort of it's not as quote unquote normal for an american family to take their their aging parents or grandparents into their home and live with them until the end you know but i know for a fact just because i know you you've got mm-hmm. that going on in your home right now yes and it's and that's not unusual in your culture correct no yeah. It's how we grow up. We have to uh, um, get our parents mm-hmm. or grandparents. It's how we try to show her to, to get of her grandma, mm-hmm. like my mom right now. Yep. And when my sister and I, we get old, so she knows how she need to, you know, care of us. Yeah. yeah, but yep. it, even we talk to her, another thing. Yeah. <laughs> but um, had you had you seen this documentary or heard of it before we talked no. about it? No. Mm-mm. How about you, James? No. No. I have not. I uh, I have to agree with uh, with Ruth here. Ruth, uh, same way in our culture, as you want to call it, it, you never your parents, your grandparents. My grandmother stayed with my aunt. She was ninety nine years old. She stayed all the way to a point where they couldn't do anything. That's when they had a center too late. The home to take get like um like care. it becomes too much for even the family to take care of and i know you know as our family gets older and they become harder to take care of and mm-hmm. all that i mean ruth you got and Valeska, you guys are learning how to do medical cares a lot <laughs> you know a lot, uh, which is which is crazy that's that's good mm. yeah and uh in the beginning my sister and i we get so crazy mm-hmm. when the doctors tell us they don't have a recovery center here yeah. for my mom because she got the feeding tube and she has a drake. drake. Yep. And my sister and I were so scared because we live with her mm-hmm. and my other siblings, they have to live to live their lives. And we understand that, you know? Yeah. But my sister and I was like, okay, how are we going to do that when we don't have a nurse seven days, 24 well then you then you learn right exactly yeah. so we learn and now it's easy peasy <laughs> yeah yeah now now you'd almost rather do it because like uh, i know how to do it and i know my mom and i'd rather be the one giving her the care and all of that so uh, and it sounds like james with what you were saying when i say american culture i maybe i'm just saying white american culture where where it's less you it's it's more unusual for you know, for us to have our family with us until they're old and, and gone, you know, which is kind of sad, to be honest with you. It is sad. It's, it's very sad because I get that my person, you know that, since mm-hmm. March to April, we went like 51 days at the hospital. Mm-hmm. We went over there with my mom day and nights, and mm-hmm. I don't miss any day even. Right. Thank you. Yeah. But my thing to tell to everyone is, listen, that episode, they need Oh, please, they need to care their parents. Yeah. What I, I learned with my mom, the doctors told us, if my mom is getting well, it's because she's at home. If we get her to the recovery center, she's maybe 
yes. downhill. She'll be yeah. down right now. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. her family isn't around. They like it when uh, we care about them. Yep. Right. You know? Well, it gives them reason to hang on mm-hmm. and to keep fighting. Uh, my mom has the f- dementia mm-hmm. and forever. But now, since the doctor says since 2014, mm-hmm. the dementia don't go. It's not getting worse. No. Right. Wow. Why? Because the doctors say we try to give to her the life she has in our country. Why we, we take her everywhere with us to work, mm-hmm. to the gym, to swim, right. go to the restaurants with her, go to shopping. Yeah, it's not an afterthought. It's not a a, a burden as much as it is. Mm-hmm. You're still part of our family and you're still yes. very much being involved in, in what we're doing. Yes, and when the, the kids, they're going to leave their parents to those home cares mm-hmm. or recovery centers or mm-hmm. they leave their parents over there. It's the reason their parents, they lose their dementia like fast. They, right. you know, they don't recognize their family anymore. Right. Right. I mean, I work with Jeff. Jeff was uh, my boss. He still is. No, uh, he's my friend. Thank you. But uh, we worked at another job where we actually worked in homes where a lot of older people stay and, we see that how sad they they are oh, yeah. when there's no family around. But when the family comes around, it kind of brightens their day. Yep. And it's just like this movie, the guy was excited all while his family was there. Yep. You yep. know, and that was his one of his main things, I think, was his family. Absolutely. And that's the only reason yep. why. Because if he didn't have that, I think he would have still just stayed in America. Yep. You know, but... uh So we haven't even gotten into the documentary yet, which is great. What were your, Valesco, you were, you were excited to watch this when we, when we asked you and you, I know that based on talking to you a little bit before this, so forever, all of our listeners, you are a a younger, you're the next generation. So you're younger than any of us here. You are 13? Yeah. 13. Yep. Did you have any predictions about this one before you actually watched it? And like, what did you think this was going to be about? Well, when I saw, I thought that it was going to be like how the old, how, uh, what's his name? Julian. 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 Yeah how his life was in Mexico. And it kind of gave me thoughts about how my aunt's life Mm -hmm. and my grandma's life was in Mexico. And it kind of gave me like a perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Of how it was for them and how, how like it is over there. Right. How hard they have to work. Because you were one years old when, when your mom and and aunt came to, or or Tia, Mama and Tia, right? (laughs) Is that, is that mother and aunt? Is yeah. That, right. When when uh, they came to the United States, is that correct? No. No. We went. We got here like ten years before she born. She oh, born okay. in Arkansas. So just oh, from here, yes. Okay. So you're you're born. You were born in the United States. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So you have no experience of how. Have you ever been to Mexico? No. No. Never. So you you just hear stories. And, and probably see pictures and things like that, I would imagine. So so what what you're saying is that this was a kind of an interesting look into what life is like for someone who goes back and forth. Yeah. Was there anything, and this is open to the whole group, was there anything that surprised you about this as far as like what your predictions were about the documentary and what it ended up being? Was there any surprises? Go ahead, James. I had a, like, I was kind of, well, I was surprised because I thought, I didn't think, Things are going to end like they ended, mm-hmm. you know. I thought that this house is going to get built. 
And then his family was going to, you know, I'm not going to tell the end yet, but, the, you know, <laughs> I guess I did, kind of. No, but that's all his right. family, you know, I thought that they were all going to, like, do a celebration at, after they build his house. Right. And He was building a house for one of each, his, his kids. Right. He, he, he want to leave when he say uh, when he's passed away, mm -hmm. he want to leave a house for each kid. And the house he was building on the end was for the blind kid. Right. Mm. Because he was so worried for him. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he even mentioned, like, I don't know who this is specifically for. I just know that I want my kids to come and and divvy it up if if they want to sell it fine i'm just building it because i want to have something to leave behind at least that's how i heard it yes that that one he say because he say that all the kids he has in this country went to the united anytime states anytime they want to go back so they have a place to stay right yeah. yep which is huge i mean that's him in his final years trying to set up his family to be to have something nice mm -hmm. and you know and you know to me that's that's pretty touching. Um, and he, you know, he's struggling to do the work and, you know, but he's still making sure it gets done for me. I expected. So after, when I read the like description of the documentary, I thought it was going to show more of him going back and forth, but instead we picked up on his final trip back to Mexico. Yeah. So he's been doing these trips back and forth on a bus every month. Mm -hmm. for over 15 years every month he was going to el paso texas from durango i think durango durango thank you mexico to visit his kids and he says he but he would only go up there for like a day oh two days yeah a couple days mm -hmm. and and just come and say hello and sit there for a little while and then turn around and go back to mexico and uh, yeah go back to u.s yeah yeah. It's like, a, how do I say, when you have a, a lot of years living out of your country mm -hmm. and you go back to your country, you don't feel comfortable over there really? anymore. Like when you were kids, like when you have your family there, yeah, you know, you don't feel comfortable and you want to come back right away. Mm -hmm. But you come back right away and you want to go back home. Mm -hmm. at, right. I, I don't know how to explain that. Yeah. But it's how do we feel. Yeah. yeah, he did say something like, uh, I don't know, he's talking about himself. He went over when he was a young and uh, got sick. Yeah. And he had to come back to the United States to get well. Mm -hmm. And then his mother told him, you'll never be able to survive over there. Yeah. <laughs> I thought <laughs> yeah. that was funny. Yep. That's, you know? that's another thing that's true. That happened to me. When I get here, I get sick, yeah. like crazy. Just the difference in probably the food the and food, the water. The and The water. The weather, the air, yeah. I, I don't know. Now I'm afraid to go over there because uh, what if, get I, sick. if I get sick? Yeah. Wow. So we'll get into some more details about what we leave behind. Um, I want to give normally uh, I give a quick synopsis of of the documentary for those of you who maybe didn't watch it or just as a recap for uh, some of you who may have watched it uh, a little while ago. At the age of 89, Julian takes one last bus ride to El Paso, Texas to visit his daughters and their children, a lengthy trip he has made without fail every month for decades. After returning to rural Mexico, he quietly starts building a house in the empty lot next to his home. In the absence of his physical visits, 
can this new house bridge the distance between his loved ones? Over several years, director Ileana Sosa films her grandfather's work. Gently sifting through Julian's previously unspoken memories brought up by the construction projects and revealing both the daily pragmatism and poetry of his life. What we leave behind unfolds as a love letter to her grandfather, as well as an intimate and insightful exploration of Ileana's own relationship with him and his homeland. What did you guys overall think of this documentary? Did you like it? Valeska? I loved it. You loved it? Yeah. Ruth, overall, was this one that you... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's how we live over there in our country mm -hmm. that are like everything how do we build the houses we know how the big machines like yeah. you guys have over here mm -hmm. they do it by their own hands yep. and they don't have like architects yep. like we yeah. do here you're stacking bricks and <laughs> and putting them together which is you know their house looked more like what this basement looks like with stacked cinder cinder blocks and whatnot mm -hmm. but it was still beautiful it was still well built and, you know, in some ways, probably more rewarding because it's by the the labor of your own sweat and blood, you know. Right. So, yeah, I thought that was that was pretty cool. James, what about you, man? Yeah, yeah. I liked it because the stuff that they were doing over and uh, doing over there in Mexico is stuff that I grew up doing. Mm -hmm. I grew up separating the beans. My mother taught us <laughs> big old yeah. pot, separating the beans, the bad from the good. Yeah. Uh, snapping peas, chickens. We had chickens in Omaha. We had chickens and stuff, <laughs> and we had wild duck. Uh, I mean, we ate squirrel. We ate rabbit. We killed and cut and cleaned our own food and everything. It's kind of like brought back childhood memories. Yeah, I have but, a lot of memories. Like mm -hmm. he says, separating beans because every morning, my mom sent us to do that for the yeah. beans every morning, like every day. We have to do that. Mm -hmm. What are yeah. you separating? Oh, because... <laughs> Bad ones and good ones? No. Yeah, sometimes the break is my mom says, those are broken, throw away. Yeah. But uh -huh. sometimes uh, the beans have rocks, small yep. rocks. The little rocks and stuff. And, oh. and small like vines. Yeah. The beans come, those are mm -hmm. dry, so you have to... Pull it out. It's also a time where I, I didn't look at it then, but I look at it now because I'm older. Like when they were snapping peas. Snapping peas. Why they separate? My, uh, my sisters, my sisters, my, my aunts, they all were doing it together. But as they were doing it together, they were all talking together. It's building. Building. Yes. Building more family, building more relationships, you know, with each other. So everybody kind of was comfortable. We knew each other. Yeah, I mean, I could drink your pop. Uh, I could pass one can of pop around to like ten people, <laughs> and then to get back to me, there better be something there for me. There was no like, Ugh. yeah, you know, like yeah, hell, get it, back there. it was bonding. Yeah, that's what yeah. it was. Another you, thing that bring me in my memories was yeah. when the guy gonna went to take a shower, mm -hmm. and you guys saw he put the hood and the thing together warm. Yeah. Mm. We don't have gas over there. Yeah. So the, we have the same in my house. So we have to put hood in it and yeah. touch oh, yeah, it. Yeah, if it does warm, okay, we have got to take a shower because yeah. the water is ready. Yeah. Oh, that's I don't cool. know how that worked, but the water stayed hot. It stayed hot yeah. and longer. Mm -hmm. Better than a water heater. And right here, the water thinks it's like mm -hmm. metal. Yeah. No, the water thing over there is like. 
like like concrete like concrete yeah and it's cold the water yeah and i never understand how does that get warm yeah. and come to the shower yeah warm and i tell my look come over here come over here <laughs> and i say look at they have the same like we have <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's your sister yeah yes yeah <laughs> so for me you know i asked you guys the question did you like this documentary and i i really enjoyed this as well but i didn't at first when i started to watch this it moves very slowly it moves it's there is a lot of silence mm -hmm. there's a lot of um you know just holding the camera on one image or one person and nothing's really happening or they're doing something very kind of you know just rep repetitive or or, mm -hmm. or something like that and for the first you know little bit of the the movie i was actually a little bit bored because it hadn't drawn me in yet. And I don't think that, you know, coming from where I come from and not having the same experiences as you guys, maybe, maybe it didn't grab me as quickly as it probably did for you, Ruth. And, uh, but eventually as I started- I understand what you say was too slow. Yeah. But, and- I think it needed point, it. I understand. Me too. I understand them mm -hmm. because the guy was getting old. Yep. So he needs time. Yep. You know, to to think, think and answer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it agreed. And and it was boring, but it No, uh, but but my point is by the end, I understood it. To me at that by the by as it continued to go, I started to appreciate the quiet and I started to like the the way that it was filmed. Um it was more of a poem and less of an action movie mm. you know it it wasn't intended to be bright and flashy and and loud you know where yeah. it would have really i think watered down or made the story not as interesting if it had had a lot of music and a lot of narration and a lot of uh movement and flashy lights mm. you know i i just think it 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 would have done That's it more real more real. You can, more real. I can say that. Mm -hmm. Most real, like mm -hmm. the life, how he is over there. Mm -hmm. And it's, I feel like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. More real. Like you say, no more, too many cameras or yep. here, actors yep. and no, what's the real life? Yeah. Yep. I yep. think a guy, I kind of, I kind of, I, I admire that, that Julian guy because the guy was a hard worker. Even, even though he was that age, he's still throwing that, you're telling Jeff, he was throwing that, he had a shovel throwing the dirt, throwing the dirt. He said he's not he's not afraid of hard work. Uh, what is it? Tabato duro. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, he's not afraid of that. And when I was younger, I used to be just like him. You know, I wouldn't even eat lunch. I would work work to sun up to sundown, yeah. sun up to sundown, because that's what we knew to do. You know, don't yeah. be afraid of it. Just do it. This is another good thing over there from our country. Like no matter what how old people is, mm -hmm. they keep doing. What yeah. they love to do, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like and, they and, don't stop like here and and sitting and not mm -hmm. helping and things like that just aren't an option. Right? Do you feel Valeska? Do you feel like you are shown that in your family and and could, because you were born and raised in the United States, a notoriously lazy country, right? Yeah. Where where we, you know, want to do the least amount of work and get the most payback for for it right that's the american dream right, yeah, right. <laughs> in in a lot of ways and you know 
I feel like my generation and before and, and after, it kind of ebbs and flows and it depends on how you're raised. But do you feel like because of the family that you are in and that you are, ra- are being raised in, do you appreciate that hard work, that work ethic? Or do you feel that or do you feel like you're kind of... I don't know. I'm not trying to set you up to 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 give a, 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 a you know an answer that you don't want to admit to. But is that a big part of your life? Do you see your peers wanting a lot for nothing? Where you're, I mean, you're 13 years old, and and I see you helping out at the museum all the time, right? We don't have a lot of that. Where your peers aren't going to work, <laughs> you know, they're not offering to help in those ways. Can you speak to that at all? Yeah, I feel like it's how their parents and the people that are around them teach them what to do. Mm-hmm. Like my aunt and mom, they tell me to work hard for what I want. Mm-hmm. And the other kids, they their parents just, they work or they just don't like tell them to work hard for what they want mm-hmm. and need. And they just rely on other people to do that and they just yeah yeah. is that ever frustrating to you to see your friends that way or do you ever feel like are you ever frustrated with and you don't have to tell your aunt this but are you ever frustrated with your family going my friends get everything that you know they want and they don't have to work for it is it ever like a point of frustration for you not to this age no but when i was younger kind of okay now i see that if I work hard, I can get the things I want. Yeah. And I get money and I can use that to get stuff I need. Yeah. And. And you, do, would you say you appreciate it more because of that work that you put in for it? Yeah, I appreciate how they taught me to work hard. Yeah. And to not give up on what I want to achieve. Yeah. Right. Is, and, and that speaks highly of, of Ruth and, and Mary Lou, your, your mother. Now, uh, I, I also um, go through her school, too. Yeah. Yes. This, this, this is my girl right here. Yeah. yeah. She, she gets to school and I get to hear about her work that she does. Yeah. I, I, feel, I feel so awful right now with her. So I'm sorry if I cry. No, you can. This is a safe space. You can. Emotions are welcome here. <laughs> I promise her we go this summer for vacation. Hmm. But what happened with my mom right now, mm-hmm. and we have her all those months use hospitals back at home, sleep in the hospital, mm-hmm. and she's too young. Mm-hmm. And I wish we can give her different life. And I talk to her all the time. I'm sorry because we give her that life. I wish maybe like she can have a friend or her friends went to vacation on summer. We don't take her anywhere. Like well, I, you guys say, we yeah. are working. And sometimes I feel awful. Like sometimes I say, Valeska, you go with me. And if you know, you can stay. I don't care. Mm-hmm. But she say, no, I'm coming. She's like that all the time. Yeah. Well, and that, that speaks highly of both Valeska and the family that she comes from. And also, I I can say that those these types of bonds and these memories and things like that, that's much more important than the family vacation. Those are the things that, that thank you. That you make me feel better about it. Well, it, it should, because when Valeska continues to get older and goes off into do her world and, and continues being a part of yours, it will, those are the things that she takes with her that work ethic that, uh, you know, that we have to take care of our own. 
and not just say, you know, yeah. we, we all love vacations, right? Yeah. It would be real yeah. nice to go away and, 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 you know, see the world and do the things and all that. But, but not all of us can, can do that. And yes, we have to take care, you know, we t take care of our own and we take care of ourselves and, and all that. But you're, you're teaching lessons that are more important than any, any. vacation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I, I don't mean to speak for Valeska there, but I know it, that, that is a good thing. Yeah. But so. sometimes she's quiet and sometimes like, that's good. You ask for her because she don't tell us how did she feel. Why not? <laughs> I don't know. Should, should we uh, get into that? No. <laughs> <laughs> Valeska's a good girl. She's a good girl. I like yep. the values that the place to learn from you guys. I yep. feel like you know. going to the museum is better than just staying at home, doing nothing on the phone, just being there and being right. at the museum. I get to see different people every day. You and get to see me. Get to yeah, of course, King James. Hang out. Yeah, I get King to James. bond with King James. <laughs> there you go. Everyone at the museum. Yeah, well, we love having you guys around. Yes, we do. I'm going to bring us back to the yeah. to the uh, documentary. In the director's statement, Ileana Sosa talks about her grandfather, and he remembers, uh, as he remembers his monthly trips from Mexico, he would only, so this is what she said, he would only visit for one day sometimes. He would bring treats like yamancillo. Yamancillo? Do you know what that is? No? No. Um, uh, Chile and then Mexican candies. Um, oh, tamarindo. No, it says yam, J A M O N C I L L O. Ah, uh, it's jamoncillo. jamoncillo. Okay. Jamoncillo. Jamoncillo. Uh -huh. What is that? Do you uh, know? Jamoncillo uh, is like ham. Oh. But sometimes they have in candies. Too. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and another thing, that's good you bring that uh -huh. point over there. Because they're, I don't know here, but in our country, our parents, they, they, you have to do that. You have to do that. <laughs> don't move and don't play. But when they have their grandkids. They spoil them. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I have to get yeah. all the yeah. way around. That's yeah. all the way around. Yeah, you, you, you're strict on your own kids, but then your grandkids get spoiled. Like yep. that yep. say over there. Yeah. Remember one thing. I they don't that... give you any candies, but they bring mm -hmm. candies or for high candies for the for the grandkids. Remember one thing, if you don't raise your kids, you will be raising your grandkids. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I just threw that in there, you know, because that's yeah. how I say things sometimes, you know. Um, okay. So she says, he, you know, he travels, he brings some treats for them. Yeah. Uh, he would always smell like earth and his hands were weathered and worn. And we did see one scene where they focused on his hands. They, mm -hmm. He had his hands open and they zoomed in on his hands and they were very calloused, very yeah. rough. There was a fly sitting on his hands, which mm -hmm. kind of bothered me a little bit. But, uh, you know, because he worked the land his entire life yes. mm -hmm. until he could barely move. I mean, he didn't stop. We saw him scooping gravel, as James was talking mm -hmm. about. He was carrying planks. Um, but as we watch, he continues to get more and more tired. So he he traveled back to the U.S. every month for just a day. And then he'd head home. He talked about wanting to do that in order to keep his family together. Mm -hmm. So he had seven kids, all of whom, except for one, George, who was uh, blind right. and he needed some help, um, all of whom had immigrated to the United States. Why? What was his? What do you guys? What do you guys think when he goes back for just a day and then comes back to Mexico? 
Why? Why is he going every month for just one or two days? I think it's that family thing that he's been talking about throughout the whole the whole uh, documentaries. Family is everything to him. Now that you're getting to that point of age where, you know, I mean, you think about it, everything that we got today is is just material. You know, when you die, you don't ask to get my brand new car. You don't ask to get my suit or anything like that. You ask, where's my family? Where's the people I love? You want that around you more than anything. So I think that became like a major part of him wanting to go back. And But he also loved yes, Mexico. And- and again, so, I think he go it. back only for one or two days is because mm-hmm. his son was blind again. Yeah. And George, he was yeah. worried for him. Mm-hmm. So no matter no matter what, how many times he go back only to see him, he's fine. Okay. He's fine. So mm-hmm. I'll go back. Mm-hmm. I'll be back in a month. Yeah. Also, in the beginning, it said, it said that. In the U.S., he just he was just on the couch doing nothing, He's and he, bored. he was bored, and he wondered why was he there when he could be in Mexico with his family and and working. Yeah, and, yeah. that's an interesting point, and I do think George plays a huge part in in his story because you have one son who cannot function on his own, or at least is struggling to do that. So and. and because he's blind he's legally blind i i think he had some vision but not much so he couldn't really do much without help without help yeah Yeah. so that was a huge part of the story because a lot of what drove julian or julian 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 Julian, um he was was the his his worry i guess for his son and they didn't George didn't really say this. He didn't really say much throughout the whole thing. Yeah. But you could kind of tell, James, you like to talk, you like to, to analyze people's body language and their, mm-hmm. their, their face, their, their emotions and things like that. But do you think there was any guilt there on George's part about needing his father's help there? Or do you think there was that he felt bad about that ever? See that. I didn't see that neither. No, his body language just—he was to me. He was happy that his dad was there. Yes, and, and even though he's both, blind, right? I be honest, I don't notice he was blind. Mm-hmm. Right, I didn't either. I I don't notice he was yeah. blind until until he get the packet getting water. Yeah, and he started like that, and mm-hmm. you know what I said? They put his hands to feel uh-huh. the thing to walk because everything was natural around him, so he knew these paces and steps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But. At the beginning, like when Jeff was saying, he was just standing there like, what is this about? Yeah. Why is he just standing there for like a good five minutes? They they sat there on him for like a, what felt like forever. They were showing him in, in the camera holding a broom and he was just looking, just standing there. I'm going, looking. what is happening? Right. It turns out he's just listening. But before yeah, that. Yeah, he was listening the, to what, what happened. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Denise Liana talked with George mm-hmm. about uh, his mom when, when he uh, how do he feel when his mom died? How old his mom was? And I can't remember her face. George? Yeah. Exactly. He was like that, and he never, like, nobody noticed at that moment he was blind. Right. Mm-hmm. And that made me sad because he say his mom died when he was, he was 14. 14 years old. Yep. Right. And nobody knows what is the... What she has. And how do she has, why, why... Right. He said he maybe it was cancer... You know, they talked about at one point, like her death, they found 
prickly pear needles in her bed and her stomach was extended, but they never went any further into that. I was really mm -hmm. curious about what her nose was bleeding. Yeah, and her nose was bleeding by the tree while she mm -hmm. was crocheting. I wonder what all that was. I mean, that's a little mm. little curious, but yeah. yeah. Um so the scenes where where George and, and uh Julian were together was super sad. It was also really sweet because mm. But but you also I mean you could write a sitcom or something about that you know the blind man and the old man and the both, old man, both yes. need both need a cane they both need each other mm -hmm. you know and and you know they, you show them walking uh, around and and all that to me that that's like that's a fairy tale like, like mm -hmm. that that's a that's a that's a story that's something you could write you know a novel about just about the the complexities it's kind of like. Uh, the blind man and the deaf man having to lead each other around, you know, in a way. Because I know you handed well, the they, they try to work together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah and, yeah. and they're building houses. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, that, what? That's amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I just, I, again, I'm going to the water thing and George was feeling the water. And, yep. And he's yelling, he's like, the phone, the phone is raining. And yep. Julian go running and answer yep. the phone. And then I don't know what he's saying. Yep. George Nico to the answer and got to get out the whole turn, turn off the water. Yeah. Yeah, and I say, <laughs> they work together in tandem. Mm -hmm. Yep. They're, that's they're, one thing that's one thing about the body language at the at the end of it, his son, you can see it all on his face. He didn't say anything. Mm -mm. He got up. His walk was a little off like sadness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. His face if he can cry tears, he would have cried tears then because his face was super sad. And he just casually just walked on out. You know, just walked on out. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. That spoke some volumes right there to me. Yep. I would have felt the same way, but I would have had some tears over right now because to be there all day, every day with your dad, like I said, even opening, he's blind, but his dad had him a can of beer. He opened it, popped, he popped the lid for him yep. and handed it right back to him. And then they you got know, some lime and put it in you there. You got the lime. They're talking about the lime and stuff. You know, <laughs> all that stuff together. Yeah. And all of a sudden, everybody knows what's going to happen. Yep. And I seen it. And then when I saw, uh, I saw the breathing, and I, oh man, yeah. I see this at the job. Yeah. The, let's 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 hold off on that a little bit that. because I, I want to get it to a few things before we get into the Julian's uh, final yeah, sorry, final hours. That's all right. Um, so kind of back to Eliana's grandmother, um, Julian's late wife. She died when George was only 14. Um, as we said, they never really explained exactly how she died. But Julian never remarried. And he was fairly young. Yeah, 45 years yeah, old when, when, when he was a widow. Yeah. And yeah. And, you know, all the kids eventually immigrated to the U.S. except for George. And in one scene, they did go to the cemetery to visit uh, her grave. Oh, that's uh, I have in my notes. What yeah. Do you mean my notes? <laughs> so I, and I want to talk to you, Ruth, about that. But, you know, so just so everyone knows what scene we're talking about. They went to the gravesite and they're kind of sweeping up and cleaning up. And uh, they spent some time putting together some decorations and taking it there. And there was a lot of families at that cemetery. That's a, here is in Halloween. Okay. But over there in Mexico is el Dia de Muertos. Right. Okay. That's uh, what I was going to ask yes, you Yes. That's like, if you see those special, like um, Julian have a bunch of yellow flowers. Yeah. That's for 
that yeah. special day. Okay. The Dia de Muertos. Dia de Muertos. You know, and, and it's... <laughs> Velasca, you want to say something? Go ahead. <laughs> I saw that the daughter uh -huh. was making, like, something to put on the gravestone. Yeah. And how um, Julian, Julian yeah. and the girl, they were on the trunk and how they carried the flowers and how they cleaned mm -hmm. the gravestone for them and made them look all nice and right. decorated. Yeah, it was really nice. And mm -hmm. so Dia de Muertos, that Day of the Dead, mm -hmm. it's just a way to honor those who have passed, correct? Yes. Hispanic or is it Hispanic or just or just Mexican culture? Um is it is it in like all of all Mexico. Okay, Mexican all Mexico, Mexico like everywhere. And um, and is that is that more of a uh is it just a way to honor the dead? Is it a year-long thing? I know there's a lot of uh, religious stuff that goes into uh, that That typically a Mexican culture is, and you correct me when I'm wrong because mm -hmm. clearly I'm not Mexican, but you are. So you tell me if I'm getting something wrong, but there's a lot of like Catholicism, like Catholics, yes. um, and then belief that our the way we treat the living will affect the way that, and correct me when I'm wrong, mm -hmm. the, will, will affect the way that their next life is. Is that correct? Yes. Um, so talk to me about Dia de Muertos um, and, and what that means and why that was important in this documentary. Well, like, uh, like I told you, the Dia de Muertos is like here, uh, Halloween and October 31st. Mm-hmm. Over there, we have um, October 31st is for the kids mm -hmm. in Mexico, Dia de Muertos, for the yeah. babies. Okay. You know? Yep. Uh, November 1st is for the adults. Okay. So, and that's that's Dia de Muertos? That's Dia de Muertos for adults. But uh, November 2nd is for everyone. Mm. So, maybe week a week before the Dia de Muertos, mm -hmm. everyone's go to the cemetery and clean, clean it all their okay. relatives, stones, or some, they don't have stones. Right. Why? Because all those stones are, are very expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so some don't have, and they have grass all over, everywhere, but the families come over and clean it up, all of it, because yep. all those need to be um have flowers. Mm -hmm. And the principal thing, they need to have a candle. Okay. The candle, my mom, she's mm -hmm. alive still, thanks God. Yeah. But all the or all people in our town, they say you need to put a candle for each one uh, relative you mm -hmm. this late. Why? Because on the November 2nd, yep. all our relatives, they come over and they are praying around the cemetery, but they have their light. Mm. If you don't put a candle for them, so they are crying because you forget them. That like it's a tradition. Okay. It's like like no, you say really religion. Cool. Sure. That's too on yeah. it. You know, like mm -hmm. we raise like that. Yeah, that's really cool. Thank you for sharing. So to you it wasn't surprising at all to see them and a lot of people. You know, I've been to cemeteries to visit my family who's passed, but my culture just hasn't put as much weight on you know, visiting that, you know, it's kind of a, and, and I don't like this. I feel like it, it, it is a little dismissive of 
uh, the memory of a person to go to a cemetery with that many people at other graves and, and whatnot. It's just not something that happens very often in American culture. And, you know, to me, it's kind of nice seeing the kids and the teenagers and the adults all there cleaning up. You know, if we all felt that way, a, our cemeteries probably would look a lot nicer. Um, unless, you know, I know that a lot of ours, have people that are paid to be there to take care of it. But, but also it just shows a lot more, a, a lot closer of a familial for the familia, yes. bond. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we just don't have that. And it's, to me, it's, it's really refreshing to see that in this documentary and to hear you guys talk about that, you know, in other Mexican and, Hisp and Hispanic families that, that I know that how close their family bond is to me, that's really refreshing. And it's, it's, um, enviable. It, it gives me something to work toward in my family to want to, to create those types of bonds. So I really appreciate that. And James, I know that your family is very close too. So it's not just obviously a close family is not just a, a Hispanic thing, but you know, it is something that is very prevalent. And we saw that in this. Uh, and another thing, when you raise like that, like mm -hmm. me, um, all the time, I try to call my sister in Mexico and ask and ask her about my dad. Hey, you went to clean it. Hey, you oh, uh, yeah. leave flowers. And <laughs> over there and there, every every family have a cross with mm -hmm. the name on it. Like we saw the right. Julian wife have the name. Uh -huh. um, when she born and when she died, mm -hmm. everything. But over there in my town, they have that stone with that information. But the, the people don't have the stone. They have a cross this, <clears throat> with the stone. It's on the earth. But have all that information, and all the time I ask my sister, my my dad have the stone, but I still have the cross too. Mm -hmm. But all the time I tell my my sister, go to get a like a scarf, mm -hmm. but it isn't a scarf. Maybe a scarf for the cross. Yeah, you know. But this this um, how do I can it's like a special material. Okay, it's made it for for the cross okay. to put it. Under the cross. Like silk or something like something that? Something like silk. like okay. And those crosses on the ends, like, have angels or flowers. Yeah. But what happened with the rain, with the sun, mm -hmm. all those get old. Yeah, they start to wear out. Yes. Yeah. So I I call my sister and say, go get to another one. Yeah. another one. You yep. know, and for my grandparents to get another one. Yep, yep. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I mean, that just shows a lot of respect and memory for people that are no longer with us and the impact that they had on our lives. And, the you know, I just think that's really cool. And I love traditional stuff like that. Like, that's just it's really neat. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, I also I, I talked with my mom yesterday mm -hmm. because she want to go to Puerto in Mexico. But oh, she does. And yeah. yeah, and I talked to her yesterday and I say, you need to change your mind because if you go to Mexico, we don't be over there. Mm. Like we have our lives here. Yeah. So, and I say. We want to be able to visit. I, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I say, I don't want to be like, my dad is over there. Yeah. And that's hard. And it's hard. Yeah. yeah. And I say, and now you go over there? No. And I say, you have to be over here. And yeah. she say, 
okay, I'm going to... Yeah. So think about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, because that's it's, good. It's very hard. Yeah. I'll bet. I, and I imagine for her, it's hard to say, you know, where do I want to be buried? And, where you know, that's my homeland, but this has become my home. And, you know, I'm sure that's a difficult decision. And we decision. get of her all those years and I say, come on. Yeah. Please. <laughs> Please don't make me go there to, no. to, to and, visit. Yeah. Like, well, if he, I'm go over there, like, I'll be like Julian. Yeah. You know? Going back and forth. Go and, back and forth. And, yeah. and like, I'll be a stay one, two, three days and I have to come back to work. Right. You have to. Yeah. It's kind of off topic a little bit, but back on the documentary. One interesting thing that I found about this documentary was something that they just barely skimmed over um, in the actual film. So when I was reading uh, the director's statements, the, the uh, Ileana, the filmmaker, the original intention of this film was to explore Julian's work as a bracero, which in Spanish, I believe means one who works with his hands or his arms, something like that. That's at least what she said. So bracero, Bracero, uh, bring awareness to a period in U.S. history that many Americans, including myself, did not know about. Are you familiar with the Bracero thing at all, Ruth? Yes. Yeah. My dad was one of those. Really? Yes. Okay. Uh, yes. My dad was one of those, the same like Julian. He okay. lose. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to explain a little bit about what that is. So Braceros were agricultural uh, and farm workers brought to the United States from Mexico during labor shortages during World War II. So mm -hmm. basically, American soldiers were going off to war and nobody was taking care of our farms. So in true, you know, American fashion, what we did was we went and grabbed people from other countries, Mexicans, and put them to work doing manual labor. Mm -hmm. Well, again, in true disgusting American fashion, they were exploited. They were basically forcefully made to do this labor. And then- With they, any benefits. Without any benefits, correct. Yeah. They were forcefully and then sent back to Mexico. Once they were brought in to the United States, they were barely paid. They were barely given any benefits. Julian actually talked about it a little bit about how he had to use his brother-in-law's name because things he didn't have the right, you know, forms or whatever it was. And then, you know. Again, because they come over. Sorry, I interrupted no, you. No, go. Yeah. But like I told you, was my dad the same like Julian? Yeah. I don't know who brought them my dad all the time he was fighting for the money and i think he passed away and he never get the money oh. why because it happened the same like julian they took him from there and he was on the list right. but when he get here they don't give to him any anything to ID prove yeah anything yeah and, and he was back and forth back and forth yeah, so basically, uh, Americans come back, xenophobia, you know, being afraid of, you know, what what would be called, you know, Mexicans coming in, quote unquote, stealing our jobs now that we're back home, right? And then, and just straight up racism as well. Um, that starts to escalate. The program last, the, the Bracero program lasted from 
the early 40s to about 1964, which basically gave 20-something years of cheap labor from Mexico to the United States. Mm -hmm. And the United States never really had to pay for it. Mm -mm. But that's also, that's that's another, you know, James, our, our first... Our first documentary that we covered for this show was called 13th, mm. and it focused on the mistreatment of black Americans Well, early on in American uh, uh, history. And here's and, and part of what we talked about was how we as Americans aren't told these stories. We have to watch documentaries and be told and, and dig this stuff up. Right. And, and it's a disgusting part of in our history that we don't know about unless we go out and, and educate ourselves on that or are educated on that. This is another one of those things I didn't know exist. They don't write this in our history books. My guess is that, Valeska, when you're going through middle school and then into high school, none of your history books here in America are going to talk about the Braceros. And if they do, it's going to be a very small piece. Right. And it's not going to probably tell uh, you have to learn that I have to learn that at 38 years old. Yeah. I'm I'm having to learn that through this. And, you know, this is part of all of our history. Mm -hmm. It's not a proud part of my history. You know, but it, it's part of it. It's part of the story. And, you know, so that's great. You know, we hear about things that we did that were awful that are just getting whitewashed and taken out of the history books or not ever put in there. Um, but that was mind blowing to me and they barely skimmed it in this documentary. But the funny thing was, is the director said that was the original intention of this documentary was to bring attention to that. Mm. So clearly that changed because as she started going, yes. she's changed this what changed the, the history about them. Right. Because uh, that's right. Like if you, if, you don't invite me for watch that documentary. Right. I never talk about that, the Braceros. Right. And I was with my dad over there, and my dad spent a lot of time to go to the Mexico City mm -hmm. one time or two times a week all the time with all his papers from here. And he was a lot of guys from my town, mm -hmm. from my small town in Mexico. They go together and... I think they die and they don't get any money. Ugh. That's not right. Valeska, have you ever heard of this? Never. No? No. No. Me neither. Yeah. Is this your first kind of time hearing about it there, James? Yeah, it's my first time hearing about that. But yeah. again, like, I don't know. Nobody explained them or like you say, they yeah. only use them. Because they asked my dad for different papers. Bring this mm -hmm. next week. Bring that one. Yeah. My, I, I remember that because, yeah, like if you see the the furniture they have, they don't have closets for. Right. You saw in the movie yep. or the documentary. Mm -hmm. The furniture they have, we call roperos. Okay. To to put all all clothes on it. Yeah. So they have as as more kind of like a kind of like a big dresser or a big yes. wardrobe or something mm -hmm. like yes. that. Yes. Yeah. And I remember. My parents, they have one in their room, and they have one, like, that door, and that one have a mirror. Yeah. But in that square thing. Just a couple feet. Yes, big, just yeah. a couple feet, but yeah. they have all the important papers over there. Okay. Uh, 
you know, the old the houses, the cars, yeah. the important papers. So my dad, I have as my my sister, Malu and I, we were the youngers, the whole family, looking, <laughs> looking for all the yeah. papers. And what did that say? My dad, of course, you know, like he was getting old and mm -hmm. he don't read well and we're reading for him. And I said, what are that? No, keep doing, keep doing. Yeah. And I need that one. Let's do take a copy. Mm. And next week again. <laughs> And I don't think they they give to him yeah. or give to them for all that. The no, I I think I think it was a a pretty blatant exploitation of that labor. I I don't think I don't think very many. From what I could, I, I mean, obviously I don't know everything. You about see, it, but, like you guys don't know about don't, it, right? Yeah, it's a problem. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, because it is in a history, and who's the braceros? Right. Nobody knows, but. Like I told you, I know because my dad was Your dad was one. one, yeah. Wow. That that's that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. And it's sad. I mean, ultimately it's sad. <laughs> so I'm gonna lighten it up just a little bit. Right. James. Yep. Besides the fact that you're over there falling asleep. Well, I was just doing my beard listening casually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what what was your favorite part of this documentary? My favorite part was... And why was it Pinto the dog? Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> Pinto the dog. Pinto the dog. Like what a dog. cute dog. He had a big, like, bullseye dot oh, on the side. Beautiful. Of the dog. Pinto the dog. The same name as we would call the horse, you know. I just found that funny, you know. And I yeah. was telling him that some of the Native American names are similar to some of the Hispanic names, you know. Yeah. And uh, I guess a lot of, you could say Native... Must have crossed over sometime in between. Oh, yeah. But oh, yeah. There's a lot of similarities in that similarities culture. That. But my, my part was the dog because she, the dog was when the man was laying in the bed and the dog was laying out on the side. And you know, I say your dog is a man's best friend. Yeah. When the man was in his truck and they were yes, going to get the fun. wood, it's yeah. running. He yeah. was running around alone. They kept telling him to go back, go back. You know, he wouldn't go back. And yeah. And then and and he get to the cemetery with them. Yep. Mm -hmm. He did everything. Yeah, there was very few scenes in in that film that Pinto wasn't that he wasn't wasn't in, in it. Yeah. <laughs> the dog was always there. It was, was really drink, cool. He drank out the water because, out the bucket. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, like uh, no I beer, was though. talking with my cousin uh -huh. because my my cousin, she said she watched that yeah. saw that before, yeah. and mm -hmm. she said you're gonna cry and blah blah blah. So, but I was talking with her today at work about the. Julian mm -hmm. and the girl, they go on the truck mm -hmm. because we ride like that. Yeah, we ride on the back of the truck. The, no, yeah, we don't like yeah. to use the belt and go to sit down and be straight <laughs> like that. No, everyone's gone on the back on the truck. And yeah, yeah, kid, we did that too. Rode down to my grandpa's garden, which was about five blocks long, and he did it all by himself mainly. You know, so yeah, yeah. but but Ruth. They were riding a little pickup on a gravel road. You drive a giant pickup truck and you go like 90 down the interstate. So that's a different story, okay? Oh, believe me. In our town. Yeah. We don't get, we don't. Mm. <laughs> and what's the fun thing? Yeah. Yep, yep. You know, like, we don't care. Yeah. And uh -oh. we have like all the earth in our face. Yeah, the dirt and the <laughs> dust. Yeah. That's that fun time, like, you know. That's what you miss when you when you come to United States and then like he all these you know, rules all the rules and yes. everything then he goes back you know I just enjoy the fact that he got an opportunity 
to go back home. Yeah. And and spend his time there. Mm -hmm. That was one of the most highlighted things in this video. One of them, you know, the end was pretty strong too, you know? Yeah. And we're, we're, we're just about there. You don't know how my sisters and I, we ride on the truck and my dad was driving and we go like from here to two hours away. Yeah. And my dad drive like crazy, drove <laughs> like crazy. And we are on the top <laughs> and we get chairs yeah. to hide on the top and we feel like the dust there. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone's going the corners. Yeah. No one's going to be on the middle of the truck. That's interesting. <laughs> That's fun. Um, probably the coolest part or my fa- one of my favorite parts of this film comes from something that I didn't fully realize until after I watched this um, and did a little bit of reading. The director said that as a kid, she hardly really knew her grandfather, despite seeing him every month on his trips that he took. She had trouble understanding his rural Mexican uh, Spanish um his small town habits um his kind of his personal values and things like that but in making the film she was allowed to get closer to him he was very um welcoming to her um despite their differences um he welcomed her into his life um willingly showed her around durango and answered all her questions told the stories about the uh the castillo mountain where the the witches go and turn yeah. into blackbirds which was really was really a fun story believe me those are everywhere in mexico yeah do you do you, do you guys know you know one Velasca? they said that if you were pregnant uh-huh. And you looked at the full moon, the the moon will eat the baby. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and you know when it's not eating baby? What? When the babies uh, have a dad, uh, you know, like they have a... Oh, like a cleft lip. Like clever or yep. um, something in their eyes, something yeah. on the finger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and we said, we told you. Oh, so if if the baby has any sort of deformity, yes. you would you would say, "Well, I told you not to look at the moon." Yeah, <laughs> that's, yes. No fables, the most excuses, you know. That that we used rough. to have back in our days too, as kids. Yeah. But like if you go back to the yeah. documentary, yep, they don't know why the the Julian's wife Passed died. Why we don't have the doctors mm. like we have here, right? We don't have the specialists. We don't have that all that stuff. Was all you know is that she got guessing. sick. Yeah, she we got sick guessing. and she died. Yeah. So and that's and that's all you really know. Like they say, they found the the cactus and mm-hmm. cure bed, and then yeah. cure stomach growing, growing. Right. I'm guessing was the witch. Why? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was probably just the witch that turned into a blackbird. Or she went up to the Castillo during the, what was it, during the nighttime? and Or during the daytime and woke them up, right? Because wasn't that what they said? You never climb that mountain during the daytime because that's when the witches are asleep. And if you wake them up, then they'll get mad and you'll have bad luck or something like that. Maybe she climbed the mountain. How do we raise, you know, all those histories and they... Those stories. Those yeah. stories are in your mind, and mm-hmm. you grow up like that, and you are af- afraid. afraid of everyone. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, you- <laughs> so Velasco, are you afraid of looking at the moon now, full moon? No, I'm not pregnant. Oh, that's good. You better not be. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. Good answer. That's, that is a good answer, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And how about La, La Llorona, Valeska? Oh, La Llorona, that's a whole different story. Oh. No, 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 no. Hold on. What's it called? La, La Llorona. La Llorona. I just listened to another podcast about La Llorona. Yeah. La Llorona. 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 That's a pretty nasty tale. Do you care to talk about it at all? Yes. Go for it. <laughs> it's about a lady. Uh-huh. And she had two sons, right? I don't know how many, but she had sons. On some of those stories, it was two sons. Mm-hmm. And she drowned them or, or killed them in mm-hmm. a lake or something. On the river. And she then she would go around as a ghost or whatever. Yep. And go around and find children, and she would try to find her children. Yep. And, Mis, pu- and she would say, Mis hijos! <laughs> and she would yell that <laughs> every night. Every night, looking yep. for little kids to see if she could find her children. And that was basically a way for parents to tell kids stay in the house and yeah. <laughs> and behave probably uh, right <laughs> i don't know some people they say they saw her i never saw her yeah. apparently yeah apparently but in a white those, dress those are all those those stories are all designed we can go uh down but, in the park at a certain time <laughs> because this Boogie certain man. guy is going he's going to get you yep and then everybody what no, what <laughs> So we never went down there. Yep. So I, I kind of like those fables. You know, it's a good way of yeah tricking a kid into not doing something. Yeah. Well, it's the well. Never mind. Yeah. Okay. Um. So one last thing before we kind of get toward the end of the documentary, I, I noticed something, James, and you'll like this one. I noticed one little thing in this uh, a recurring thing in this film that reminded me of a documentary that we watched called Winnebago Man. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. Have you seen Winnebago Man, <laughs> Ruth? It's a little bit. Do you, remember what, do you remember what made the Winnebago angry and what also made Julian angry? I can't remember right now. It was those summer bucking flies. Summer bucking flies, yeah. The oh, flies that were little prophets. Yeah, the little prophet the flies. Little flies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> those flies. Yeah, those, those bastards, yeah. <laughs> they, he got a couple of them, too. So we, we covered a documentary called The Winnebago Man, and he, he cusses at the flies a lot. So yeah. uh, uh, I thought that was kind of a, a funny callback. Yes. So let's finish up. Um, the same way that the documentary finished up and talk about the speedy decline of Julian as the film drew to a close. He starts to talk about how it's harder and harder to keep food down. He talks about his stomach and his back are almost always hurting. They do a lot of scenes that are zoomed in on his face when he's just sitting there. In one scene, he was actually dry shaving, which if if you're a man and you've shaved and you've dry shaved, yeah. that can be very difficult on your skin. So that probably means he has some leather on his face. Uh, the the yeah. the years the years of of sun and all that. Um, well, I ain't gonna go there now because I can dry shave any time of the day. Yes, my dad too. Straight that brought me all a, yes. a, that brought me a lot of memories mm. from my dad. Yeah, it's small. Little mirror and dry shaven. Yes. Yeah. Yep. But you can see in all these in all these scenes, almost ninety years. I mean, he was eighty nine years old. Mm-hmm. Almost ninety years of stories, right? Of pain, of success, of memories, of family, of love, of heartache. Mm-hmm. Um, you know these these things are flitting around in his brain, and you can see that. 
he's not speaking it, but you could see it. And it always looks like he's deep in thought. Mm -hmm. Same way with his, his son, George, you know, you can tell that there's things going on in his brain. And is that a, a pretty typical, and I think I know the answer to this, but is that a pretty typical thing for a Mexican man to keep his thoughts to himself? Yes. Yeah. A lot of stories, a lot of things, but just kind of keeping that in. Is that your experience? Yes. Uh, and uh, again, I'm talking about my dad because when my dad passed away and, you know, the problems we mm -hmm. have right now, but they start with Cab in Mexico. Mm -hmm. So two of my sisters, they looking for money mm -hmm. and his ropero yeah. and stuff, and they found it. Since years ago, years ago, he has the cancer, mm. this the skin cancer. And never talked about. And it. he never talked. We never find out until he's getting old. Mm. Wow. And and that it's one heavy. was was worse. And we can do anything. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that's that's pretty typical, I think, to not want to admit the pain and admit the the struggle and that sort of thing you know and it, it really made and i can't believe we don't notice right yeah. but if you but if but if you spend your life holding those things in and not talking about them then you get good at hiding those things i think you know it's more like he's just like this stuff happens in life mm -hmm. things go on yeah i just can't let this stop me i gotta keep moving forward Yep. And that's basically how people. Yeah. And it made for a very somber ending to this documentary. Uh, no, we, for sure, we know my my dad was for the son because he was like Julian. Yeah. He was working on the um, avocado acres. He was on mm -hmm. the peaches acres, on the corn. Mm -hmm. We grow with all that, like a farm. Right. And he liked to sleep under the trees all mm -hmm. the time on the sun. <laughs> And so, he was like, why, why, like me? Yeah. You know, like. Yeah, that'll do some damage to you. Mm. And apparently it And didn't. he was early, really. I don't know which, which age, but he died, he passed away and when he was 74 years old. Wow. So was like yeah. maybe 50, I yep. guess. Wow. I don't know. Yeah. This made for a, a, a very you know, touching and somber and, and emotional end to this documentary. Um, we see him on his deathbed kind of, kind of quickly. So the, the last, you know, maybe half an hour of the movie covered several years. Um, and we see him, we see his entire family, kids and all around his bed saying a prayer. Mm -hmm. And he looks like maybe he lost his teeth um, cause his mouth is a little sunk in and, you know, he's very obviously not feeling well. He's, mm -hmm. he's quiet. His eyes are closed. He's, his breathing is very labored. Mm -hmm. The kids are in tears. This man is loved. There is a, uh, a love in this room that you can feel. And I really hope that he felt that in his final hours as well. His breathing is labored. His daughter and granddaughter are there. Um, you know, the, in another scene, uh, she kind of crawls into bed with him and uh, is is telling him, we're all here 
George is in his bed on the other side of the room mm -hmm. and uh, they're telling him that they love him. And George is kind of laying there um, contemplating, listening, and you're hearing this labored breathing and then it just stops. Right. And, yeah, and the story, the story of Julian Moreno comes to an end. The house is not quite finished yet, um, but it's close. Mm -hmm. The kitchen is a little bit un, un, unfurnished. The TV that he had bought is still in the box laying on the bed. But the house is beautiful, mm. and but it's empty. Mm. And, you know, George gets up and he just sort of walks out of the room, yeah. you know, in a, and that's sort of what you were talking about, James. Like, in just this, I know he just passed away mm. and life's about to get a lot different. You don't different. need to see that so mm -hmm. because he, he knows. feel it and he knows. Yeah. Right. And, you know, and, and that's, they show the house that he's been working on in the state that it's in and it's empty and the credits roll The the movie's over. And to me, that is such a sad way, a powerful way right. to end the story because you're, you're left going, you know, I wanted to see kids in the house right. that he built. I wanted to see families living there, you know, but that, that's, that's a fairy tale. I don't know that that's reality. You know, if, if Ruth, if your father had built a house and it was sitting down there, you still have your life here. You know, you're not just necessarily not able to just uproot it and go live his dream down there, you know, but you start feeling those things for these, these people in this film and, you know, to see the house empty and unfinished was sad. Do you agree? Yes. But if you remember when he was talking with those guys, yeah. He was sure he don't be done that or he don't be finished that house. Mm -hmm. Because he told them I don't have enough time. Yeah. Yep. I think I'm I can finish that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they asked him why and he said because I don't have time. Yeah. He knew. He mm -hmm. knew it and yeah. oh, you always know that yeah. made me so sad. Then me too. Since yeah. there, Valeska, when when this was over, how were you feeling? I cried. Yeah. And she never cried. Oh, <laughs> it was something. So what was going? What was going through your head? Like, what 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 about it made you cry? What was the? What were the feelings? When I saw him in the bed. Mm -hmm. It reminded me of my grandma and oh. how she was in the bed there, like mm -hmm. when she was dying mm -hmm. at points. And at the end, when the song came up that he was singing, it reminded me of that. Oh, too. The, the, the Dove song. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How about you, Ruth? What were you feeling when, when this ended? I feel sad. And he and she say, you're going to cry. Yeah. I don't cry. <laughs> but you cried. I cry here. Yeah. But I don't cry in the end. And she said, why you don't cry? Be honest, I don't know why I don't cry because I yeah. was sad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Since I told you, mm -hmm. since he said I don't have time. Yeah. Since I was sad since there. Yeah. And when when the lady say he don't feel sometimes he's up, sometimes down. Mm -hmm. But I... Like you say, I noticed in his face, he don't feel good mm -hmm. anymore. Yep. But yep. I don't understand why I don't cry. 
And that's okay. Until now. It all it all hits at different times and yeah. in different spots uh, and yeah. yeah. But that's remember my dash mm-hmm. all the time. All the time. Yeah. How do we have our house in Mexico? How do we live over there? How do he yeah. was with us? What about you, James? How are you feeling? Well, I feel kind of, I felt, I felt little, little taken away from this one because at the end, I wanted him to finish that house. I wanted to see the people in the house. Yep. But then it hit home too. If you think about it, life. Mm-hmm. That's life. The whole thing was just straight up on unfiltered life, should I say. Yeah. That's basically what it was. You know, sometimes we do things in life and we got a goal set and we don't get fit, get to finish them, you know. Yep. But life goes on and basically. I think everyone it is. It was pretty, pretty left like that and they don't. Yeah. Yeah. And in and, and his culture too, he has the benefit of having a family that very much loved him mm-hmm. and will probably continue to honor him. You know, this film, the fact that the four of us are sitting here and the listeners that are listening to this are talking about him. Yeah. His memory is alive. Mm-hmm. Not everybody gets that. Mm-mm. You know, so I, I think that's a that's a huge that, honor. Yes, that's and a good thing for everyone's looking at this right. documentary. Mm-hmm. Why? Because like you say, that's a good learn. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. For or whatever past. Yep. We need to have them in our memories, and they mm-hmm. never die. Right. And they right. never was, gone. Right. He was surrounded. He was. Yeah. Remember when he, he was like, people die, they don't have nobody, they just get buried. Yep. Yes. That's one of the things he did not want. Right. And he, so. that, that's not what he got either, which, which I'm, I'm yeah. happy that that I was. I am too. You know, for me, after it ended, I was sad. I was moved. But I was also a little bit inspired um, because I feel like, we watched the ending of a long, meaningful life. Mm. It was filled with important things, you know, family, love, hard work, mm. you know, which to me it was sort of the underlying, uh, I don't know if you want to say moral of the story. Um, to me, the heartbeat was the hard work. There was even a scene where he was joking with his daughter and his granddaughter, because his daughter went out and started pulling weeds in the yard. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I just need to work. Yeah, it would look better. And then he teases his granddaughter, said, how come you're not there helping? And she's like, I am working. I'm I'm filming. And he's like, oh, that's a different kind of work. Mm-hmm. Work where you don't really have to work, you know? Mm-hmm. But he kind of, but it sort of, it sort of gave the, um, a little bit of a glimpse into what, you know, that work ethic, that hard work, like, mm-hmm set the camera down and go help pull weeds, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, obviously they were joking with each other and he was fine, but um, but you also witnessed the end of his pain and he the death of his spouse hit him hard. The migrating of his children away from home, that hit him hard. That's an, uh, one thing, maybe we are in the end, but right now it's come in my mind, like mm-hmm. all the time he say he has pain in his stomach. Yeah. And like I told you, where is the doctors? Like we don't right. have. You have someone rubbing oils on his stomach. Same thing and that's about it. That's, what it that's, that's all. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, and I told you like the wish things. Yeah. You know, because yeah. 
for that, that'll be helped. Yep. Well, why do you see inside? Yeah, what's going on? But 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 thankfully he did. I mean, he lasted eighty nine years. Eighty nine years. It's a pretty good run for a healthy person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and, and walking. Yeah, carrying planks and doing all yes. kinds yeah. of stuff. Yeah, and walking, eating, and doing all here, his personal stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, I I remind of the hundred door story. Oh yeah, the so there was a couple spots in. Uh, in the documentary that I didn't really understand that well. I kind of questioned why they were in there. Um, the hundred door story was one as well. It was a fun story. Um, do you want to tell it? It was about a lady that told his, I don't know, his boyfriend or whatever they were, that she would love him and get married to him. If she built, if he built her a house with a hundred doors and he's, he did. Because he loved her, mm-hmm. and yeah, every time um, Julian told that story, he smiled. Yeah, and because mm-hmm. he's he's working on building his house, quote unquote, with a hundred doors. Because he and loved him. I like those stories that pass down from generations and and can be retold. And there's you know who knows if that was a true story. In my mind, I go, who's this woman that's making me build? a house with a hundred doors in order for her to love me. Why is that conditional on that? You know, if, if, that if my, happens. yeah, well, well, not in my life. <laughs> you get one door. Yeah. Keep yeah. up and you get the back door. Yeah. <laughs> no, I want hundred because if I can live only in one, so I have another 99. Right. Yeah. I can leave. I can away. leave whenever I want. Yes. <laughs> um, but you know, as, as Julian's life ends, ultimately, that's the way that we all want to go. A, a nice, long life full of family and, mm-hmm. and uh, love and, and things to be proud of. But it's still incredibly hard to watch. It's hard to hear those last breaths. It's hard to know that, mm-hmm. that they were in pain. And it's a scary thing um, sometimes to, to consider those sort of things. Right. Um, overall, I think this was a very nice documentary. I think it was very well made um it did lack a little bit of content in the storytelling in my opinion only because some of the the best facts that i heard were when i read her story afterwards we didn't get a lot about the braceros we didn't get a lot about you know the reason she wanted to make this documentary we didn't get a lot about how well she knew her grandfather you know beforehand but knowing those things really added to the story to me. And I'm not sure if how they would have added that in to the documentary. I don't know. I do like to get the full story from a film. So if I had a criticism about this one, it would be that they spent a lot of time in quiet, which was good. But they also could have maybe used some of that to, to add a little bit of backstory and whatnot. It's just a small criticism, um, but nothing Nothing that takes away of Yeah, maybe yeah, if they do the like how do they make some movies back and forth. Yeah. So maybe people can understand better. Like people yep. like you guys. Yep. Like because for me it was Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. But it's But you have the history. You you have those same type of experiences and that yeah. Yes. Where where for me but I need a little more to a little, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's a good point. Yeah. I just want to know what you mean by you guys. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, I'm going to say you Americans. <laughs> 
no Americans, uh, Valesca too. Yeah. Because even children, kids, the children, the yeah. kids, yeah, they they need to know history. Well, yes, that's it. where they that's we, true. their parents yeah. come from, ancestors, mm -hmm. yeah. exactly. Yep, yep. It gives them purpose, even more purpose when you know. Why? Don't. Because when they get here and they don't see how do the parents live in their country right. with uh, without all that technology, without uh, you know, and they grow up here with everything, they don't they don't appreciate yeah everything like they what everything here. they have right is thanks for what they parents raise right. Velasca, do you feel like it was helpful for you to see this? In this this documentary, do you feel like I mean, you strike me as the kind of person who you've already mentioned how much you appreciate the work and the the things like that. Um, but do you feel like it was helpful at all to you to see this film and this world and this uh, type of story? Well, yeah, it gave me more like background information mm -hmm. and it made me like see how much different it is for them over there mm -hmm. where they have less technology and have to do their stuff with their hands. Yeah. Right. Yep. I think it just opened your eyes to like feeling the, because sometimes you hear a story, like we said, all these stories. Yeah. But then when you see it, they kind of feel all the blanks in visually. Yeah. Yes. You know? When we try to talk to her and say his stories about us, how do we grow yeah, up? Yeah. How do that? She started laughing and laughing. And I said, I mean, it's kidding. silly. Yeah, you it's, see, it's, it sounds it sounds silly. And then when and then you have sort of a visual aid in a film like this to mm -hmm. to put the image to the words. Right. The you know what yeah. she say it, when we say we're gonna we're gonna take you to Mexico? She say, I wanna go. I don't wanna go to your poor Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. She's a liar. Uh, no. That's true. That's not you true. You say a few a few times. Uh, that was back in my days when yes. I was not a child ago. Oh, yeah, when when she was children, of course. Back but when it's she was still, a kid. Yeah. you know? But it's still, she said, I don't know. Yeah. Mexico is a yeah. joke. A when joke. I tell my nephews the same <laughs> stories about us eating squirrel, rabbit, and, <laughs> and all that stuff, they just be like, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no thanks. Can we throw this uh, <laughs> lack of ram on the uh, barbecue right quick, you know, a grill or whatever you want to call it? Yeah, you can't say barbecue. I, I, I can't say barbecue. You know, it's, it's the whole meaning behind that, but we'll, we'll get that later on. What no. do you... What do you guys think was the was what was the heartbeat? What was the point? What was the intention behind this documentary? Making me Alaska. think. Making yeah. me think. That's right. That's uh, <laughs> that's that's a good thing. That's not a good thing. You want to try? You want to give this one a shot? What was what What do you think the the intention behind this documentary was? To open people's eyes more and to show them how life can be in Mexico. And for people, yeah, like how they go back and forth. Anyone else want to add anything to that? What 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 do you think her reasoning for this was? Uh, I say, like you say, it's love. Yep. A family, you know, family love, family love. Mm -hmm. um, Trying to connect the family. Mm -hmm. the, the families connect there. Yeah. Because everyone was there on the end with him. Well, at the end. Yeah. You know, that means it's love. Yeah. 
It's a love story. I, think I mean, it. Yes. Yeah, I think it's that too, but I also think that it's also like a diary or something, a journal yeah, yeah. of his life. It's a memory. Yes. Now that memory can never go away because it's on film. Now. I, I agree. But, but if it, when you say that, if you think you go back again to love, because when they mm -hmm. do that yep. film for him, it's like, yeah, you know, it's it's immortalizing, not just a man, but a family and a mm -hmm. culture and a and a whole, uh, you know. Yeah, just that family, culture, mm -hmm. love. love. It, it, yeah. And it, it is a love story. It's a love poem. It's a, I feel like, and I hate to put words into Ileana Sosa's mouth here, but I feel like this was made by her for her family. Mm -hmm. And it just so happened that it was able to reach other people like She's us as well. Us. Yes. It probably would have been just as meaningful to her if it never left their home. She made the film, they put it on their own TV and they watch it or their computer or whatever. And, uh, and it's still impactful. Right. I mean, that's the same reason we keep photo albums or mm -hmm. pictures on our phones yes. or things like that mm -hmm. to remind us of, of our past, of our, of the things we did, mm -hmm. of the love that we had. It, it, it triggers memories in us that might right. not come organically. It, it you know, you go scrolling through, you know, old pictures in an old computer, or mm -hmm. if you open up a, a photo album from your grandmother or something like that, those are things that are, are bringing back memories and bringing, showing into a world that is, you know, either you weren't a part of, but it was a big part of where you came from. So I think that this was important for her and her family, but it also was, it was a, a really cool look into, uh, another person's world and and it was done in a in a really subtle but beautiful way in my opinion okay so yes, like you say look at what i my sister found me so she's showing us a picture of some car couple trucks oh uh -huh, those are my my dark trucks there are my parents okay I'm my sister malu is with my mom yeah and i'm with my dad will you send that to me Yes. I'll put it up on social media if you're okay with that. No, when, that's fine. When we put that's fine. Just because I. Yeah. When you say those old pictures, oh, I have an old yeah. picture. Yeah, I'll and put that if, up. If you guys so... look or house in Mexico. Yeah. It's, this is still the same. Yeah. Yes. It's that's the really concrete cool. and yep. my dad built the house. Yeah. With mm -hmm. his own hands. Yes. Yep. That's and really with cool. a, with his friends and there are no architects okay? yeah yeah <laughs> and you guys don't believe that house that's the uh, two floors yep but uh and the second floor we have a big um okay a big it isn't like concrete it's like a big hood wood mm -hmm. like that big but taller hmm. and it's holding the house <laughs> like a big beam kind of thing Forever. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And I say, and all the time I ask my dad, why do you have that in? What is? It's holding is the house up. And he say, he's holding the house. And I say, no. And he say, try to take it off and we don't have house anymore. And I say, no, thank you. I believe you. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we have come to the end of our show where we will 
uh, talk about a rating, an official documentary rating. Each crew member each week scores the documentary on a scale of one to ten items, with one being as bad as buying the wrong size planks for the house you're building, and ten being as great as Pinto drinking water out of a mop bucket. Um, the oh, the item yeah, <laughs> it's cute, right? Um, the item that's used for scoring changes each week depending on the content of the documentary that we watched. Uh, this week we will be using just like Little Pinto, a perro, or is it a perrito? Perrito. Perrito. Let's do perritos instead as our rating item. So let's start with Ruth. Ruth, how many perritos do you rate what we leave behind? Oh my God! Why you ask me that? <laughs> I have. No, I just I have my three babies. Dog, what? No, what's the rating? <laughs> what's your rating for the documentary? Um, the rating? Yep. I love it. Ten. Let Ten me tell perritos. you why. Yep. The, the perrito, the pinto, <laughs> and I just, just brought the packet when mm-hmm. it's something you guys need to know. Okay. When the waters come out over there in Mexico. Mm-hmm come out from the hose mm-hmm. is like cold cold like oh yeah cold it's mm. the best water it's ever. like like well water <sighs> yes oh, yeah. it's nice. a, yes that's a wild water <laughs> and it's cold cold and it's so good so it's the reason pinto do that okay so 10 perritos from from ruth <laughs> velasca nine perritos nine oh. perritos 11 <laughs> 19. James, how I many perritos? Seven. Okay. Seven perritos. I, I really liked it, you know. Yep. I might even give me a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff? I gave this documentary six perritos. Um, and I kind of feel like maybe that's a little low, but I already landed on that. I mm-hmm. The only thing that I, like I said, Without a little backstory, it wouldn't have been as impactful for me, but it was really well done and, and, a, and a nice look into that culture, into that family. Um, so six perritos. So after ever, averaging everyone's scores, the official documentary rating for what we leave behind is eight perritos. Um, I want to thank all our listeners. No, no, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I want to thank out everybody for tuning in this week. Special uh, gracias to Ruth and Velasca for joining us mm-hmm. for this episode. You guys are the best. We like hanging out with you. Um, as always, thanks, Mr. King James. Well, we yeah, miss the wine. I like to say, I bring the wine, you said. <laughs> I like to say thank you to uh, the Hispanic people that come in America. And that all the things that they bring, the cultures, the food, mm-hmm. and everything that they bring, I really enjoy a lot of it. So thank you for that. Yes. Um, I want all of you to know that um, if you build me a house, I will come live in it. So, Velasca, start working on building a house for me. Velasca, <laughs> um, <laughs> she can design a house. You know, that's, that's going to be a good idea because Jeff, he's the don't, taller over here. Don't yeah. bring ideas. In. <laughs> no, I need to talk. Jeff is the taller over here, so he can help us to build taller. Put, to put the top yes. of the wall on? Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah, there we go. Oh, those those are heavy. I when know. You put it like 
and the documentary. Mm -hmm. And I, you put it one by one. I did that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's the reason I give 10. Yeah. Because it's a lot of work. That's everything is a lot of work. But you didn't hear any complaining either. No. No. Right. Surprisingly, She's I complain nice. a lot myself, you know. Yeah, you do. I do complain a lot, but you know, <laughs> I still get my work in, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. All right. So happy Hispanic Heritage Month, everyone. Um, let's talk about next week's episode. For next week, we will be jumping into our station wagons, grabbing our rain ponchos and our video cameras and heading out into the field to try to capture footage of some of the biggest storms around. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to be watching a documentary called The Storm Chasing Anthology. This documentary is dedicated to chronicling six decades of storm chasing culture told through the words and images of storm chasers and meteorologists alike. This is uh, our buddy Matt's forte, so he this was his choice, so he will be joining us next week. Um, should be a good one. Um, anyone ever heard of the Storm Chasing Anthology? No. Never heard of it, but I, I used to watch some shows, you know, where they would run around. I mean, it, it was it's exciting. I always love to watch it now. Yeah. I'm fine now of Jeff. Yeah. Every, <laughs> everything you do, that's amazing. Do you remember that? Thank you for inviting us. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank uh, you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Valeska, <laughs> you can tell your friends you're on a... Uh, you're on a yeah. national, worldwide podcast. Now. I'll be famous. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> um, so. And, and you can tell them, like. I don't want them to listen. No, no, that's embarrassing. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's it's a <laughs> no, good thing. You can you can tell them your experience and how do you feel and everything. So we never know. Maybe we have more over here. That, yeah, that'll be awesome. Your age. That's right. You know, because uh, everyone's want to listen everyone. That's true. I don't know. I guess. So, everyone out there, go listen or go check out the documentary, The Storm Chasing Anthology, before next week's episode. It can be found on YouTube. Uh, so, next week, join us as we go out, tie ourselves to a tree, and hope not to get shredded by a tornado. Mm. One documentary at a time. Please go out, rate, and review our podcast on your favorite podcast streaming service and let us know what you think of our show. If you want to connect to our crew, look for at Documentary Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, or you can shoot us an email at info.documentary at gmail.com. On behalf of Ruth, Valeska, King James, hey. DJ in the post-production booth, and the entire documentary family i am your host jeff kalaski and i want to thank you all for listening i hope you keep your minds open and be kind to each other buenos noches adios Alaska, thank you goodbye bye ruth adios jeff adios, adios everyone buenos noches buenas noches everyone king james what's king in spanish jefe ray ray uh, el, el Rey, Rey James. That's, that's Rey why. James. El Rey Tigre. That's <laughs> Tigre El Rey. My my name is Jeffrey J E F F R E Y. So Rey, I'm I'm King Jeff. Okay, King Jeff. Just <laughs> feel a little big. Yeah, that title, you guys. You know. All right. All right. That was fun. Yes, it was. <laughs>